Welcome to the pulse that moves the triangle world today. This one-size-fits-all broadcast is a vibrant collection of stories, medical breakthroughs, helpful tips, what's trending, events, and boundless other adventures. It's a conversation pit of comedians, politicians, authors, chefs, sports figures, experts, the common and the uncommon. Here's the host of Triangle 411, Mary Inspreffer. Hi, friends. Phew, the 2020 election. You know, I don't agree when people say this election is the most important. This one really matters. There's a lot on the line. Because to me, that is true of every election. They all matter. And everyone who is eligible should always vote. And while presidential elections are, hmm, well, presidential, in many cases, individuals are more closely affected by local elections because they have a very direct impact in the state where they live. So to me, every election is important, and I vote in all of them. But something I will agree with is that the 2020 election will definitely be a muddied water affair. Consider, as of September 24th, more than 1 million North Carolinians requested absentee ballots. That's 1 million just in our state, and that's so far. Both Trump and Biden are looking for an accurate count and both may contest results. Trump said in July, I have to see. No, I'm not going to just say yes. I'm not going to just say no. Democrat Joe Biden's response was, sure, the full results. Count every vote. Biden's call to count every vote hints at a legal battle, and indeed, he is assembling a team of top litigators and talent. Democrat Hillary Clinton has already jumped on the challenge the vote wagon, as she recently said in an interview that Joe Biden should not concede the 2020 presidential election under any circumstances. Under any circumstances. The concession dilemma is nothing new, and the 2000 United States presidential election, Democrat Al Gore contested the election results after first phoning George W. Bush the night of the election to concede, and then retracting that concession after learning how close the Florida count was. So here we go again, 20 years later, with haze around an election. Triangle 411 has brought in someone who perhaps can walk us through the ominous clouds. Greg Flynn, the chair of the Wake County Board of Elections, has been doing a lot of Zoom meetings lately to various groups and even an interview with MSNBC on all things election. Greg, we are glad to have you here to walk us through some of this. Good to be here. So let's start by a brief overview of the board and how this year is different from others. So uh, each county has a has a board of elections consisting of uh, 
five members. Uh, three are Democrat, two are Republican. Um, two of each are appointed by the state board, and the chair is appointed by the governor. And uh, the county boards uh, essentially manage all of the elections. They're overseen by the state board, but the county boards do the actual work. And this year, we have a number of challenges. Um, the, the main one is the uh, pandemic, and uh, that's making um, our work more difficult, it's making everybody's life more difficult. And we have a presidential election, and uh, those two things combined have created a perfect storm for us. Yeah, that's it's is really a challenge this year. So let, let's be positive and just walk sure. through, you know, what we hope to be doing, starting with voter <laughs> registration. It's a requirement. Yeah. How and when should folks register to vote? So uh, you need to be registered to vote on election day in order to vote. Uh, you can do that in a number of ways. Uh, you can um, obtain a voter registration form either directly from the county board or the state board, or you can download it from the Internet, or there are many different voter registration drives going on um, conducted by nonprofits. Uh, you can also go online yourself and use a portal that's been created uh, between the Board of Elections and DMV, and if you already have a driver's license or a state ID, uh, you can use that account to register to vote online. So uh, it sounds like you're making it as easy as you can for folks to register. Sure, and it's actually even easier. Oh. <laughs> uh, there, there is a statutory deadline of 25 days before the election to be registered to vote um, through the normal means. But uh, that date, let's see, that date would be October 9th, but early voting starts. October 15th, and during early voting, you can register to vote and vote at the same time. It's called one-stop early voting. Uh, early voting is a great time. Uh, even if you're already, already registered to vote and you have problems with your registration, if you have moved, uh, if there's some issue with your name, uh, early voting is a great time to sort that out. Uh, on election day, you cannot register to vote. Um, you must already be registered to so let's talk about the three main ways to vote, absentee, mm-hmm. early voting, and election day. Tell us about each. Sure. Well, everybody's pretty familiar with election day. Um, the polls open at 6.30 and they close at 7.30. And um, that's what's mostly in people's minds. But as a matter of fact, in 2016, that, that presidential election in, uh, in Wake County, um, just 38% of people voted on election day. So most people vote during early voting and absentee, uh, mostly early voting. Um, and a smaller amount, uh, at least in 2016, was absentee. That has changed dramatically this year. <clears throat> uh, absentee voting has uh, proven to be incredibly popular. So we're now going to have uh, as many people voting absentee this year as we had on Election Day uh, in 2016. And I believe that's going to be a, a, an increase of about um, uh, 10 times. So we, we already have a phenomenal amount of, of absentee by mail votes. So since early voting starts on October 15th and runs for uh, 17 days, um, and we're not on October 15th yet, 
Um, the best way to vote is to vote absentee by mail. And uh, even though it's called absentee by mail, um, you can actually drop off your uh, ballot in person at the Board of Elections. Uh, and um, that's currently the easiest way to vote. Um, as of yesterday, uh, 34,000 uh, people had voted and had their ballots accepted at our uh, meeting on Tuesday. And uh, we'll um, we'll continue to approve the ballots as we get and count them as we get closer to election day. So, with the early voting, can you vote outside your precinct in town? That's one of the great things about early voting. You can go to any of one of uh, twenty sites spread out around the county, and no matter which precinct you're in, um, they will have your your ballot. Uh, we have. 206 different polling places on Election Day, uh, and we have 128 different kinds of ballots. So when you go on Election Day, they only have the ballots that are specific to your precinct. And uh, during early voting, they have every possible ballot ballot. So it is is—it—it uh, uh, is a, a great way to vote. Um, there's usually uh, plenty of time. Uh, there are times where it's better to vote. Um, it's not so busy. Uh, we know that um, between 8 o'clock and 10 o'clock in the morning is usually the quietest time. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see how that, that works out this year. Well, I, I, I'm glad you shared the time frame I was going to ask you. And this may be the most important question of this yes. interview. Can you recommend a site that may have less traffic or in shorter lines? <laughs> Well, this year we made a conscious attempt to identify sites that had um, um, spaces with large areas and had an abundance of parking. And even some of the facilities that we um, we have used in the past, they have provided uh, extra space to us. Uh, so, for example, um, uh, Wake Tech uh, has provided us space at the Wake Tech South Campus and Wake Tech North. And um, because of the um, uh, changes to um, student participation because of the pandemic, um, their, their gyms are available. So instead of the smaller spaces we tend to use, we're going to be using the gyms in, uh, at, at Wake Tech South and Wake Tech North. So we'll have a lot of space um, and a lot of parking. And so and even... So Go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, so I'm not trying to recommend a particularly uh, any particular spot. Um, whatever is the one that's convenient for you. Um, I know some that are popular are um, that uh, people like to go to that tend to be busy um, are um, uh, Roberts uh, Community Center, uh, the Herb C. Young uh, facility in Cary, uh, Lake Lynn has traditionally been popular. Um, and um, Apex has been popular. But we've spread out enough that um, we recommend that, that people try out the other places. Mm-hmm. And and I just want to go back, so it doesn't matter the precinct, but does it matter the town? For example, if I live in Cary, do I can go to any one of the early voting sites, but do I have to stay in Cary, or could I go to Holly Springs? Uh, you, you can vote at any site. Uh, throughout the county, so any Wake County voter can vote at any early voting site in Wake County. 
So if you're from another county, you can't, you can't vote in Lake County. If you have been a registered voter in another county and you, you're having your registration, um, uh, change because you just recently moved to Lake County, uh, you can do that during early voting. All right, so let's talk a little bit about the absentee ballot, um, and we'll break this down a little bit. First, one of my questions is, because I know a lot of people thought absentee, and the more they watch the news, they might be getting a little concerned and thinking, "Mm, you know, maybe I better just go to the polls. So Mm -hmm. if you've already requested an absentee ballot, can they still vote in person? Yeah, as long as you haven't voted it. Uh, you can go in person during early voting or on election day. Just don't take the ballot with you because you'll be issued a new one specific to the form of voting that you're undertaking. So uh, the mail-in ballot that you're not going to use, you can frame it, shred it, laminate it, <laughs> use it as a placemat. <laughs> uh, just don't take it. Don't take it with you. Given given all the the issues around this, it, it may be worth to hold on. It might be worth something one day. <laughs> <laughs> it may be. You know, like the, the newspaper headlines when the war ends and things like that that people keep. Um, so, okay, so you can do that. So what you just said, I think I'm understanding that my mail-in ballot looks different than my vote-in-person ballot and don't bring my mail-in to kind of like, okay, this is the people I pick kind of thing. So the uh, the actual sheets that you get will be the same uh, on each of those um, um, opportunities to vote. Um, the ballot that you receive in the mail will have a code on the top and uh it will have a number that um, is, is unique to you, and if there is one issue during early voting, it will have a similar number that's unique to you. And the purpose of that is to, uh, because of, uh, the state statutes require that votes cast before Election Day be retrievable, um, uh, those numbers are placed on there so that, um, so that ballot can be removed uh, in particular circumstances. And those main circumstances are um, where you would become ineligible to vote on election day. And the two main um, reasons for that are um, um, if the voter dies before election day or if the voter is convicted of a felony before election day. And so the um, so that's the main purpose of it, but it has a secondary purpose um, that's very important and it's very topical. That means that if somebody tries to vote twice and um, all of the various measures that are put in place to stop somebody from doing that are circumvented, uh, the very last backstop is that um, the earlier vote can be removed. So uh, no matter how many times somebody tries to vote twice, each attempt is a felony, um, but their vote their, their vote will never be counted twice. Okay, that's that's good to know. So a little bit about absentee, because, uh, you know, some stat I picked up was as of September, I don't know, 24th or 25th, a million people applied for absentee ballots just in North Carolina. So when voting mm-hmm. via absentee, what are common errors to avoid? The uh, most common error is failure to read the instructions. Please <laughs> read the instructions. Uh, there are uh, fewer opportunities this year to make mistakes. Um, 
but uh, that hasn't reduced people's ability to, to make those mistakes. Um, the uh, a significant one is uh, that the voter must sign, and there's a little box that's highlighted that the voter must sign, and uh, a lot of voters forget to sign that. Uh, there is a second area that um, one witness is required to uh, sign and uh, print their name and address, and that witness needs to observe the voter uh, uh, doing the action of voting, they, but they're not supposed to see what, how they're voting. So the witness observes the voter voting and placing the ballot in the envelope concealing that. The main problem that we're seeing is that the voters are failing to properly print uh, their name or address. And the, the main purpose of that is to be able to contact the witness and uh, if there's ever any problem uh, to verify that the voter is, uh, is the voter. And uh, I, I think I can anticipate your next question. So when we receive um, the ballots at the Board of Elections, staff are reviewing them to make sure the information is complete. And those that are not complete, uh, if they have what we call a deficiency, uh, are set aside and the voter is contacted within a day. And if there's a missing voter signature, uh, it is being typical to send a form, uh, an affidavit that the voters signs and say, that, oh, yeah, I forgot to sign, this is my signature. Uh, when we have missing witness information, it's been much more difficult to contact the witness, especially if they haven't filled out the contact information. Exactly. This year, there's been a change in the rules uh, implemented by the state board that says that the voter can submit an affidavit saying, yes, I am the voter, this really was me, uh, and I was witness, but um, the information was missing. So... That is in a new step this year, but again, these are, these are called um, cures that uh, can help uh, cure deficient ballots. So I want to just, now that you brought that up, I, I know there's something out there. This I Maybe you can help with the confusion because there's been a lot out there about a controversial settlement on this as far as extending the deadline and fixing errors. And I know mm-hmm. even two Republican members of the North Carolina State Board of Elections resigned over it. And it kind of, it kind of, it seemed like it kind of went to be, and then now there's another lawsuit about it. Um, can you update us on what's going on with this? Sure. It, it's you know, uh, a crazy seven days. <laughs> um, the, um, the county boards were actually, um, uh, constrained from issuing uh, witness cures uh, by uh, federal courts um, back in August until the state board came up with a cure method, and that was primarily uh, uh, a case about a voter uh, in a uh, nursing home, I believe, and they had, were unable to get a witness that they ought to be allowed due process. So the um, the judge uh, put a hold on all of these witness cures until the state board came up uh, with a method of um, curing them. And um, that happened last uh, week, and the state had issued a memo um, allowing that. But they also um, came up with a couple of different memos addressing different things, as you mentioned, the extending the deadline for receipt of, of ballots received. 
received after election day. The uh, two of those things had to be approved by the judge, but the part allowing for a voter cure of the witness deficiency didn't need to be approved by the judge. And so all of these things are being challenged by separate lawsuits. But as things stand, uh, the, new, the, the newest um, cure by having the voter uh, submit an affidavit about the witness information um, is currently the law, uh, on, unless one of these other courts decides that it's not. Okay, good. I'm glad you cleared that up. Um, okay, so now, and, and I know this differs from state to state, it seems, as far as counting votes that have, like mm-hmm. these absentee votes. I know some states, it must be not counted until the actual election day and so forth. Is is North Carolina already counting votes that have come in? Uh, yes, indeed. In fact, we had our first meeting yesterday, and we approved approximately 34,000 uh, ballot applications. That's the form on the outside of the envelope. We don't open the envelope until we approve it. So we approved 34,000 of those, and uh, we started counting half of those. Uh, it takes a long time. So Can you tell us about we, that, the, when you say we started counting? How do you count yep. the votes? So it's really a, it's a process uh, that stretches over, over time. Uh, the, the thing that took us the most time yesterday, it took us seven hours to count 17,000, um, ballots. Oh, um, the most time consuming part is, um, as you might imagine, is, is slicing open the envelopes and having somebody remove the ballot, which has three creases in it, and having them unfold them and, um, make sure that they're the right amount of ballots in the envelope, which should be one, but sometimes there's two and sometimes there's none. So there's a reconciliation, a reconciliation process. And then they're sorted so that we run them through um, high-speed scanners. So the first thing that happens when the ballots are sent through the scanners uh, is that there, uh, there's an image captured of the ballot, and there's a record of the vote. But those uh, records are secret until Election Day. And uh, we have these meetings weekly. This, this year we start, we start five weeks before the election, so... Every Tuesday until Election Day, we'll be meeting to count the ballots that are being received prior to the meeting. Uh, and there's one more meeting on the Monday before Election Day. And most of the ballots will have been counted um, by Election Day. On, on Election Day, we will count the remaining ballots that, received, that were received by 5 o'clock on Monday. And we also take all of those uh, uh, recorded uh, numbers from all of the machines that had counted all of the absentees we had been counting, and they uh, uh, produced totals. And those totals, uh, if they are um, completed uh, in the afternoon before the closing of polls, uh, those totals are uh, uh, sealed up until uh, the polls close. So when you or watching your television, or you're watching the internet to see what the results are, and suddenly it's 7.30, uh, you see a lot of results. Those are all the absentee votes and uh, uh, early voting results. Oh, okay. 
Okay. Um, and you know, just we're, and we're almost going to wrap here cause I know you got more counting to do and <laughs> envelopes to open, but just, just two more things. One is, um, you know, we talked about these errors on the absentee ballot and being able to correct them, but I imagine mm-hmm. a lot of people going into the actual polls and going into the voting booth and, you know, they might be thrown by some of the technology or do something right or wrong on those ballots as well. Um, so, what happens on that end if you make a mistake at the poll? So the the mistakes that you would make um, on your mail-in ballot are uh, really on the envelope. Your ballot is usually pretty well cast. If you uh, if you're at the uh, polling place either during early voting or election day, uh, the poll workers will be asking your information. You'll sign a form which is called authorization to vote and they will, they will give you the ballot and you'll go to the booth, uh, and, uh, start to fill it out. If you make a mistake, if you fill in two ovals when you only should fill in one, uh, you will, um, you'll get a message when you put your ballot into the machine and the machine will say you double voted on the right. Oh, okay. And you have the choice then to uh, either let the machine accept it or to go back and have that ballot spoiled and um, be issued a new ballot so that you can vote exactly as you want to. Okay, so there's on-site catches there. Okay, that's great. Mm-hmm. Okay, now my last question for you, uh, Greg, and I don't mean to put you on the spot here. I'm really looking <laughs> right. for some peace of mind. And you're doing a great job. Oh, my gosh, 17,007 hours. I think that's a pretty good uh, performance. <laughs> um, but anyway... So my last question, and again, it's just looking for some peace of mind because we don't need any of the candidates to point out the common sense concerns over the accuracy of this election, given things like, you know, the hardship on our postal system, varied voting rules, the coronavirus Mm -hmm. prompting never before seen numbers in absentee ballots, the fact that the election results may not be known for an extended period of time, et cetera. How can people believe in this election's outcome? Uh, we uh, we document every step of the way. Um, there are eyeballs and everything. No one person is ever alone with the ballots. Uh, we uh, have things handled in bipartisan teams. Uh, and uh, all of the results that come on election night uh, are actually unofficial results. So the week after the election, um, when we are also counting the extra absentees, they're uh, staff are engaged in a number of different audits to reconcile the numbers of uh, uh, authorizations to vote with the number of ballots and uh, the number of uh, votes. So by the time the um, canvas meeting comes around, which is uh, the meeting that happens on the sort of Friday of the following week after election, uh, everything will have been cross-checked and um, verified. And any of those extra votes, if somehow a, a, a ballot was damaged or if it was um, a blank ballot went into the machine, uh, um, all of those like individual things are, are reconciled, so there's a degree of accuracy that's pretty amazing. 
Well, I'm glad you explained those safety precautions because I don't think the average bear might know all that that goes on behind the scenes. So, and for all of this, all the behind the scenes and the front line of what we need to do now, get out and vote. I thank you for being here. Um, would you give people a either, uh, well, probably a website that they could go back and refer to um, for more information if they need it or to uh, reconcile some of the, the things we've talked about today? Sure. Uh, the easiest thing to do would be to direct you to uh, uh, either the state board website, which is NCS. Be.gov or Wake County has an easy to remember one called Ready to Vote or A D Y P O V O T E, Ready to Vote.com. And um, uh, I um, may have told you earlier, but the, the short version of everything I've told you today is early, early, early. Um, do everything uh, at the uh, earliest opportunity that's comfortable to you, whether it's checking your voter registration or uh, requesting a ballot or going to vote. Right. And that's, you know, I'm glad you pointed that out because we all have a responsibility in this election and taking care of business and taking care of it quickly can certainly also add another precaution to making sure, um, you know, the accuracy and, Again, early, early, and I'll say vote, vote, and I'll say thank you, thank you, Greg, and if you need any aspirins, <laughs> let me know, because <laughs> my you. golly, you have a, a huge uh, a huge job in front of you. Thank you, Greg. Thank you, Mary. Time for our nonprofit spotlight. The North Carolina Center for Nonprofit Organizations does many things, but we are featuring them today because of their election services to nonprofits. They offer nonprofits in permissible election activities webinars, nonpartisan voter education, and offer research on how and why your nonprofit should get involved in voting. Additionally, they supply nonprofit to do voter guides, election law analysis, and candidate questionnaire responses. Aside from elections, the North Carolina Center for Nonprofits helps nonprofits to work together to strengthen their organizations and nonprofit sector. Services include advocacy on state and federal policy, pro bono programs, NC Nonprofit Careers, which is an online jobs board, an online library of resources, money-saving partnerships, including discounts on products and services to help nonprofits cut operating costs, and networking opportunities. For more info, check them out at ncnonprofits.org. ncnonprofits.org. Well, it's time to high-five and say goodbye. We are now also on Amazon Music and Pandora, along with Apple, Google, etc., and at our website, triangle411.buzzsprout.com, where you can catch future shows, including a Halloween ghost story coming up. Be sure to subscribe and like us, please. I'm Mary Innsbrucker for Triangle 411. Today, dot, 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 get out and vote.